The number of young people under 25 in this country living at home has gone up in recent years, according to the latest figures, mainly due to financial reasons. Of course, for many people, having your kids live at home in their 20s is the norm. But for some, not being able to move out when they want to could be bad for their well-being. We'll talk uh, in a little while about some of the ways that people are making it work and some of the challenges that can arise. But uh, let's look at the data. The Australian Institute of Family Studies has just put out a report on this, particularly around young people who returned home during the COVID lockdowns and never left. Leisha Q is a senior research fellow at the AIFS, specialising in transitions across the life course. Leisha, welcome to Life Matters. Thank you for having me. What does the latest data tell us about how many kids are staying home now compared to in the past? Uh, clearly, we have more young people now staying at home well into their uh, early uh, mid 20s. So, uh, when we look at the long term trends, for example, uh, in 1981, just over uh, one third of uh, young people aged 20 to 24 living at parental home, but now close to one half. So, that's a significant jump. That's really interesting. So it's it's never been over half, but it has risen up to nearly half. Yes, definitely. Uh, that's uh, the uh, ongoing trend. But interestingly, uh, in the last two census from 2016 to 2021, we uh, experienced a huge jump um, in the extent of young people living at the parental home compared to the previous uh, few census uh, period. That's interesting. So it's not just a, a pandemic lockdown effect. It's, it's a trend that's been happening before that. Yes, it has been a long-term trend, but uh, clearly uh, the COVID pandemic, uh, it just pushed it even further. Leisha, do we know who is uh, staying home more than they would have in the past? Men, women, country, city, that kind of thing? Um, we uh, actually men are staying uh, at parental home longer than uh, women. Generally? Uh, yes, generally. And we also uh, have uh, um, young people in um, cities uh living longer at the parent home compared to those from regional area. And obviously, housing cost um, is uh, one of the factors affecting um, decisions to um, stay at home or not. And we also have other factors, for example, ethnically uh, cultural background can also influence uh, extent people staying at the parent home uh, longer or shorter. I understand that some of the increase has come from more women staying at home, that men were traditionally always staying at home more, but women are making up that gap. Yes, absolutely. Um, in the, it has always been men staying longer uh, at parent home compared to uh, women, young women, but we will see the increase uh, of in the numbers for young people staying at parent home uh, well into their mid-20s, uh, increase faster for young women than young men. And this particularly reflects the, the fact um, um, sorry, one of the reasons is that uh, fewer young women leaving parental home for uh, marriage, uh, the reason for uh, marriage, and which was quite common in the past. And now we have an increase in uh, obtaining education, qualifications, tertiary uh, uh, qualifications, uh, more for young women 
for men. And actually, uh, we have uh, more uh, university students who are female than uh, male. So. That's really interesting. We're speaking with Lisha Q from the Australian Institute of Family Studies. So uh, part of the reason more young people are staying home than have done in the past is uh, women uh, not taking up the marriage option and taking up other options instead. Do we know for the other people whether it's mainly financial reasons or a mix of reasons? There are many reasons and just to say uh, the different circumstances leading to staying longer and uh, also returning uh, to parent a home, for example, uh, you moved out and uh, um, job didn't work out. You lost the job and uh, uh, underemployment and experience financial difficulty and then let them to um, return to parent a home and also relationship breakdown is another reason. And when you separate, you have to you, you know to find uh, quickly accommodation. You know nowadays it's not easy. Yes, indeed. The rental and housing uh, landscape, I'm sure, is playing into that. Leisha, your research shows that this phenomenon could be bad for some people's well-being. You know, we know that some people live at home during their 20s and that's fine. What are the problems when it comes to people staying at home for longer, according to the research? I think uh, this is a sort of a, the, the research done by uh, other colleagues uh, at ACE. Um one challenge is uh, returning to home and uh, parents and younger generation have a different uh, lifestyle, you know, perceptions, attitudes towards the different things that can create a conflict. You know, both parents and young adults need to negotiate, adapt to each other. That's a no-brainer. And, uh, but for some young people, when they experience, uh, you know, um, relationship breakdown or financial difficulties, moving back can be beneficial because they have the, the parents' support. But uh, obviously, um, having young adults at uh, home, and that also can uh, lead to, uh, well, you know, the impact on parents. For example, financially, they may have to work uh, um, more than they originally planned. And uh, they also need to provide emotional support. Sometimes if, uh, you know, mental health is a huge issue for young people and that's, uh, you know, parents uh, provide uh, support. But sometimes it can be, you know, sort of mutually beneficial and uh, parents enjoy, you know, have their uh, adult children staying at home and uh, have those, uh, you know, sort of discussions, conversations enjoyable. Yes, it can be very enriching, even if you are, yeah. as you say, you know, a member of that sandwich generation where you've got older parents that you're Absolutely. caring for as well. Uh, the uh, Australian Institute of Family Studies, where you work, Leisha Q, has been noticing this trend uh, for some years, as you mentioned. What kind of policy change would make things easier uh, and help support people uh, who are choosing this, this mode of family living? What would you like to see change? I would like to see more support uh, to uh, young people. Um, we need to listen to young people, understand their needs, priorities, and I think any policy formulation needs young people's input. Indeed. Well, Leisha Q, Senior Research Fellow at the Australian Institute of Family Studies, thank you so much for your perspective today. Thank you for having me. You're listening to Life Matters. Let's hear from someone who's living through this right now. Izzy's 26. She works as a disability support worker and a pole dancing instructor, and she lives with her mum and their dog. Izzy, welcome. 
Hi, thank Hi. you for having me. Uh, it's a pleasure to, to talk to someone who can give us some insight into what it's like to, to make this work. Now, you've been in full-time work since you finished school, but you decided to keep living with your mum, even though some of your friends weren't. What was behind that decision? Um, a few different things. Um, firstly, like, number one, the financial situation, because I do work, uh, I work full-time hours, but I work a casual job. So... Um, the actual application process of getting into like either a house or a um, share house because of my um, job, like job instability, well, because it's casual work at the moment, um, even though it is full-time hours, doesn't look very great on paper. Um, and then also, I am really, really fortunate to be living in a great area. So, I'm having quite a good relationship at home with my mum. I'm in a great area as well um, in terms of accessibility to where I work. Um, so, I found that living at home was something that was quite accessible for me and it worked at and it seems to be working at the time um yeah it yeah. sounds like there's there's reasons not to go but also positive reasons to stay in your, in your situation Izzy yeah. what was it like setting the ground rules and saying look the, here's how it could work mum at that time of life when you know you noticed your friends moving out around you uh, did you have to sit down and have some some clear-cut conversations with her yeah a hundred percent um there were a lot of times where, well, most of the time we were just butting heads and there was a lot of like argy-bargy going on between either our boundaries or both of us not kind of seeing eye to eye on what we both kind of had expectations household-wise. Um, through those conversations, we were able to then kind of be able to be like, okay, this is what our expectations are for both of us. This is what we both want out of our living situation so we did have to have those kind of tough, awkward conversations to kind of get to the point where we were now. It sounds like, though, at least one aspect of communal living was pretty well discussed in your house when you were growing up, and that was finances. How yeah. did you go about working out the, the distribution of who would do what financially? Um, I'm really lucky that I've always been quite well supported financially um, with my mum. Um, and I've always been quite financially independent. So we've had really like easy and comfortable discussions around uh, what I needed to contribute financially um, and what I was able to do versus like what wouldn't put me in financial distress um, in comparison to if I was like living independently or outside of home. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's interesting, isn't it, kind of sitting down and making things clear with your, your living uh, your housemate, who is also your mum. We're speaking with yeah. Izzy, who's chosen to take up this option of staying at home uh, right through her 20s. Izzy, how does it work around relationships? I remember this period when my mum was a single pet person, but, you know, she was also living with my 16-year-old brother, and they had to sit down and have some pretty awkward conversations about who got to bring people home and, and how. How did that go for you and your mum? Yeah, um, very similar with that situation as well. Um, uh, when I got to probably around like 18 years old, so just after I kind of finished high school, we did have like that awkward conversation of kind of, okay, so what would happen if this happened? And what would happen if I met someone like as a one-night stand? What would be the expectation of that for 
our household, it was my mum wouldn't feel super comfortable if I brought someone that she didn't know um, home for like a night and then they would come in and leave. But she was like, you know, if you have someone who you are seeing more so long term and you're feeling more comfortable with them and that also my mum has also met and she actually knows as a person rather than someone who is a little bit more, I guess, inconspicuous or random. Um, she was like, okay, I'd be more comfortable with them staying home rather than it being someone that you've just met. Yeah, and I guess those are rules that any housing situation has to set between the, the members according to what suits them and, and their ideas about respectful behaviour. Um, yeah. For some people, living at home means they don't quite feel like an adult, particularly if they haven't moved out and, and then um, come back again. What's your feeling about that? Yeah, it can definitely feel like that at times because you often have to um, have like conversations and about like things that you might not really want to do, like laundry, when you're just like, you know what, I can do that in three days time, but my mum wants that done right now. And sometimes it's like, you know what, I want to do that on my own timeline and not on somebody else's. But if you were living in a share house, you did, you would still have to have those conversations um, at some point and I more so am approaching it as I am coexisting with like like I would in a share house rather than coexisting with my mum but I do also have that support of my mum or my parent when I need it. Um, it can sometimes feel like I am not an adult which can feel a little bit like I am behind socially or developmentally in like life-wise or maturity but I feel like there are so many other things that I also do get from it, like the emotional support that other people might not get, which kind of gets me kind of up at the same speed as everybody else, really. Well, yeah, I was interested to see what you're seeing around you, Izzy, when you look at your friends who might be living with their parents as well. Are there uh, challenges that have arisen for them? Um, yeah, a lot of them. I mean, I am quite fortunate. I am really really comfortable with my mum um and i feel really really supported emotionally um she's always been very supportive of my career choices of who i have with like friends socially my like behaviors and my day-to-day -day life decisions but i know other people who have completely opposing views um to their parents but for whatever reason they um can't move out of home and it can be really really challenging them having to be in that environment where their home is supposed to be their safe space and where they have comfort and where they can be their authentic selves but they can't because they're with another person who doesn't agree with their kind of authentic self or way of life so I can definitely see how that can definitely bring up so many challenges for so many people. Well I'm really glad to hear that you're in a situation that sounds like it's mutually beneficial for you and your mum Izzy. How long do you think it might last? Um, I'm not too sure. I am definitely saving up and I do hope to move out and have my own space and be a lot more independent than when I am at this current point in time. Hopefully within the next like a few years that would be amazing but you never know what the state of the world is going to be so I haven't put anything into place yet but I'm hoping for the best but not expecting anything just yet. Yeah, as you say you don't know what the state of the world will be but savings never go astray I find. Yeah, yeah. Thanks so much for joining us it's been lovely to uh, be able to share your story with our listeners.
Thank you for having me. Pleasure. Izzy's 26, lives with her mum. And I forgot to mention that um, Izzy's mum made room in the garage for her piano and her pole for pole dancing choreography practice. So that is a lovely level of integration of Izzy's lifestyle. I'll read you a couple of texts coming in from our listeners. Sarah says, I work in family counselling and it appears that COVID's putting a lot more stress on relationships across the board. Living with young adult children who have different lifestyles and priorities, better health, more tolerance of risk, etc., puts many clinically vulnerable parents at risk of being regularly exposed to COVID and therefore getting long COVID. Sarah says more research on the impacts of the ongoing pandemic on relationships is desperately needed. Another says our son left home to work on cattle stations and study regenerative agriculture. Now he's come back to save some money and help us out on a few projects on the farm and it's been a fantastic experience. We feel lucky as a lot of landholders we know don't have that privilege of the next generation of young adults being around to help out on the farm. That is so true, isn't it? that you often just wave them goodbye and off they head. And 50 years ago, says our next text, my two brothers lived in the family home until after they were 30, bought their own houses. My husband and I had the opportunity to live with his mum so we could buy our own home. We shared costs, which helped her as well. My mother-in-law, born in 1910, had her in-laws share the rent in their house. She said she never thought she'd have her own home. She did eventually. Now it's back to those days, says our correspondent. Adult children should help with rent and expenses when living with their families, unless there's an understanding that they're saving money for their benefit, not spending up on holidays, etc. Now, we heard about the data from the Australian Institute of Family Studies that more Australians are staying home, even from groups that don't traditionally stay at home, and we know there are large groups who do that. It's not even half of... Uh kids under 25 who are staying at home but that number has grown. Elizabeth Shaw is here to help if you would like some advice perhaps via the text line about how to make it work. She's a clinical psychologist who works with young adults and their parents. She's the CEO of Relationships Australia, New South Wales. Elizabeth, always great to have you on Life Matters. Good morning. You see lots of people in this age group and their parents. How do you see this trend of young people staying home for longer playing out? Well, I think Izzy just gave such a beautiful description, didn't she, of, of how it can work well. And But also you really got a sense of the quality of the relationship. And even though there were some difficult conversations, just how well she and her mum have navigated it and giving room to each other. I guess, I guess what we also know is that um, that takes a lot of good communication skills, a lot of good relational, relational moments in the bank, um, and a lot of goodwill and acceptance around the benefits of living together. And that's not the case for all families. And so um, so the sticking points, the obvious sticking points, are going to be where, um, where the conflict breaks down. The, the family perhaps hasn't got any practice in talking through the tough issues. Um, and most commonly, the assumptions are made where um, parents silently seethe about, you know, with resentment about um, feeling taken advantage of and, and young people sometimes not even being aware that those that changes needed to be made and are caught up in, in what they want for the life stage and, and a sense of entitlement about being able to grow up and move on even while within the home. And so there's a lot of clashes um, in all of that that's, that can bring the family asunder.
Yeah, it was, it was interesting to hear, wasn't it, how there were ways it can work really well, but then, as Izzy mentioned too, there are uh, ways where people's opinions and lifestyles and um, beliefs diverge so much. There's also that cultural difference issue, isn't there, Elizabeth? It is quite normal in some cultures for young people to stay at home beyond age 20. Does the social attitude directed towards your decision to stay home make a difference to how you and your family experience it, do you think? Oh, look, absolutely. I think for the cultural groups where it's expected to stay home, there there is an, in effect, implicit training all throughout about how you do that. So, um, so it's much clearer, the rules are much tighter generally about how the young people will grow up. Um, so they will stay under their parents' rule. It is their parents' house. They're doing it their parents' way. And as they get older, they do take up um, some domestic responsibilities within the terms that are set. So I think I think there is a way of doing that which is clearly understood and there isn't necessarily the expectation that it would be any different to that. I think for some more Western families who've grown up with an expectation that um, autonomy is to be prized and independence is an important step and, in fact, living separately before partnering or perhaps expecting multiple partners um, and not necessarily assuming a, a married arrangement, um, then then it is really that parents are looking forward to that or openly talking about that and young people can feel ripped off or um, infantilised by not getting to that stage. Um, so I think, I think there is a lot in that and a lot of how we talk about it can be also quite middle class where we hear a lot about kids moving home to save as if parents do have a lot of resources and can keep providing for families and that's not always the case either. Yeah, you might well be paying board and splitting the utility bills and helping share the load. I was really interested actually to read a story on the ABC News site the other day and the comments were showing a lot of the different reasons that people moved home or stayed home. I'm helping my single parent care for my disabled sibling, for example. You know, there, it wasn't just I would like to save for a house deposit. We're speaking with Elizabeth Shaw, who's the CEO of Relationships Australia at New South Wales, and she's a clinical psychologist who talks to people every day about these and other issues. Uh, Elizabeth, um, when we talk about those conflicting expectations and the clashes that can happen when, when people are navigating, you know, how, how a young person is moving towards adulthood and moving towards independence within the family home, does if we're not having that demarcation of someone moving out of home and then moving back and going, okay, I'm an adult now, but I'm coming back home, is there another way to demarcate it? Are there, are there changes you can make that go, okay, you're grown up now, things are going to be a bit different, Here, here's how? I think it's really important to do that and to both uh, for both parties to talk about what that's going to look like because it could be for the young person, well, for me, I'd be able to know that I had grown up and taken up space if I could also, um, you know, bring all my friends home or, you know, have parties every Saturday night or, you know. So I think, I think there's something about um, letting yourselves imagine all the possibilities of it and also using this as an opportunity to talk about how people live together well um, because whatever arrangement you have, it's always about negotiation and about respect and about privacy um, and about, you know, being being alert to others in relationships. So, 
Um, so I think sometimes how you want things done and how parents might say, well, for me, it's still about you living in my rules and I would know that that's happening if you did the washing when I said and you, you know, <laughs> all of that sort of thing. Um, so I think I think everyone has to talk about what would be the ideal, what are all the possibilities and then say, and how do we do that you know, respectfully, and it may be parking certain things. It may be that parents don't get everything that they want in in service of keeping good, strong relationships. And it may also be that kids um, and young adults don't get everything they want while they're living in those circumstances. But if everybody gets enough of what they want, and and most importantly, everybody feels that preferences are respected. Um, so, you know, those moments like about domestics, it's, it's um, I think once you start to feel ripped off and taken advantage of um, on either side, like the, if the kids suddenly feel like they're cleaners to pay back, um, you know, their parents or, some, or, or parents keep doing that work, then that resentment does kick in. Um, but if, if parents do need to be prepared to look at young people's preferences, and Izzy gave a great example of that, where she's quite happy for her washing to be done in three days. Parents have to be able to step back and say, yep, that's a preference. The state of the room and the the way that the household is going, I have to now allow preferences. It's not all about my way as well. Yeah, particularly if your daughter is working uh, casual, crazy night and day shifts uh, at, at the drop of a hat as well. Elizabeth, uh, what about the issue, the other issue that Izzy raised, which is, you know, if you're living at home as a young adult and, and you feel that you can't live your authentic self, your authentic identity, whether that's sexuality or some other mode, um, because it conflicts with what your parents believe or assume or, or are comfortable with, are there ways that you can broach that when you're effectively housemates as well as parents and child? Look, it depends on the level of um, the impasse. So um, if there is sort of veiled disapproval and so you can proceed to to a degree but it remains uncomfortable but it's not open sort of warfare, then that that's different to a parent saying you're not to show any of this in my house or you're out. Um, and so, um, so there is – and there's a wide variation there – I think a lot of these sorts of moments, again, um, clash because of the history to the relationship and the difficulty in actually um, navigating other difficult conversations. So where there are real impasses, it is really important to get some professional guidance to just work out how do we even talk about this safely without further erosion to the relationship. And it could be some of the initial conversations have happened um, under bad circumstances, I've so often had people say to me, they said important things in the middle of an argument mm. and they've taken the reaction in the middle of the argument as to being the absolute truth. Like, well, my parents refused to ever go to counselling with me. And I always say, and when did you ask them to do that? And it's often in a screaming match. And so I think a lot of things are said to be discussed and they're discussed in the poorest of terms. So I think grabbing the quiet moments to say, look, we've argued about this quite a bit. I want to sit quietly and talk to you. I don't want to have an argument. Um, I do I do really want to explain some things and explain my struggles. And I think parents need to be more vulnerable about saying, look, I'm finding this confronting or I'm finding it hard or it's unfamiliar to me. Or even as your parent, I don't know how to guide this moment. Um, I need to help or some skills to do this rather than I refuse to look at it and don't ever talk to me about it again. I think that's any of those throwing down of the gauntlets are going to um, 
lead to clashes. And what we know for young people is if they have to go underground, their mental health will suffer yeah. usually. Um, the resentment will grow and they, they, the whole relationship going forward could be the poorer for these, um, for these um, missed opportunities. Yeah, and as you say, ultimatums really uh, have the, uh, the effect that you want. Elizabeth, some great advice. Thank you so much for joining us uh, to discuss how to, how to live together well today on Life Matters. Thank you. Elizabeth Shaw, clinical psychologist, CEO of Relationships Australia, New South Wales. You heard too earlier from Lee Sha Q, who's a senior research fellow at the Australian Institute of Family Studies, and Izzy, a 26-year-old who lives at home with her mum. And I'll leave you with this text from Judy in Castlemaine in Victoria. My mum was great. I benefited from her wisdom and love, as well as her generosity, many times throughout my life. She then benefited from cultivating our good relationship when she stayed with me while the house hunting, and later again I lived with her in her last years so special find more great ABC RN stories that take you beyond the headlines on the ABC Listen app